like that. You Hello, one and all, and welcome that. to this Monday this edition of the Logan Blackman Show. It's been a while since we recorded a Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I, I guess I don't. I, I'm not saying that confidently. I know we did it last. We didn't do a show last week on Monday because we were at the Bills Chiefs game. We were in Wedding in Texas. We didn't do a show that Friday. So now this is the first time in a little bit. I should say this because I don't remember. I think we might have recorded a Monday before last Monday, <laughs> but at least. This is the first time in a little bit since we recorded three episodes in a row, so give yourselves a giant round of applause. I greatly appreciate all those who are listening to the show, all those who have been listening. I just greatly appreciate it. And before we get into today's show, go on some housekeeping items first. Make sure you're following Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, the most important thing, the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts, which if you're listening to right now, if you're not subscribed, even if you are, just make sure you check and see if you are, because you might think you are and you're not. So just go back, subscribe, leave a rating out of five stars on both, leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do, whether it's good, bad, ugly, whatever, don't care. But all the different social media accounts are at Twitter, Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. With Facebook and YouTube, searching The Logan Blackman Show, make sure you subscribe and follow and like both. And again, I will reiterate it. The Apple Podcast and Spotify account is the most important thing to make sure you're following. I can give a rat's ass if you're following me on every form of social media. I just need you to be following the Apple Podcast and Spotify accounts and leave a rating out of five stars. Could be a one star, could be a five star. Don't care. Just leave a rating. I'd appreciate it regardless. Now, while we're on the topic of one star ratings, <laughs> what is there a more predictable outcome in recent college memory for the Iowa Hawkeyes than what happened on Saturday? Isn't that the most predictable scoreline you could have ever thought of? Like, the line was 30. Like, that is one of the easiest bets I've ever made in my life to think Ohio State would cover that spread. Because when you look at the teams Ohio State has played and look at the team that Iowa is, they've already played in Iowa. They played Wisconsin. You could even say Notre Dame is like Iowa as well. But they played Wisconsin. Good defense. No semblance of anything going on the offensive side of the ball. And when you have a game like this, and this is why the game went like this. So if you're struggling to go, man, I was not expecting Iowa to lose this game. Or maybe I was expecting them to lose, but wasn't expecting them to get ass blasted by 44 points. Well, let's go over why this is the case. So we've talked about it for about a month now because this game has been scaring me. Just the fact that it was a thing for since the season started. Like, if you go back to when we did the previews for Iowa, Iowa State, and you and I, this game stood out like a sore thumb because this was one where it was like, there is no chance in hell that this game's close. And this is even before the season. This Even before we saw how docile this offense was, it was going to be a bad game. It could have been the best Iowa offense ever. This is the best quarterback Iowa has played under Kirk Ferentz at the college level. I know we're talking about grand scheme of things. You got Josh Allen. He played there when he was at Wyoming. I don't know if they played Tim Tebow or Troy Smith, but C.J. Stroud is playing at a different level right now. And when you have games like this where your offense can't move the ball, Iowa's defense can be as good as any defense college football history. When your offense is going three and out every single drive or turning the ball over before it even gets to three, not like the first play of the game was interception. Now, granted, for the good, great job of the Iowa defense holding firm, like there was a few times Iowa had turnovers in their own side of the 50, and Iowa's defense would hold them to a field goal. So it was held a lot closer than what the score, what the actually was going on. Ohio State was obliterated. I think the score at one point was 16 to 7, and the score should have been like, I don't know, 100 to nothing. I, I don't know. Like, Iowa scored a touchdown because they got through to CJ Stroud, and Joe Evans picked up a fumble and scored a touchdown. 
That was the least surprising thing, that the defense had to score a touchdown. And I've said that, I've quoted this movie before. There's a movie called Second String. It is a Buffalo Bills movie. We got it at Toys R Us years and years ago. It's got John Voight, who plays the head coach of the Bills. Great movie. Great movie. So the premise of the movie is the Bills' starting offense gets food poisoning, and they're out for the playoffs. They got a really bad case of food poisoning, so the second string offense has to go in. The first playoff game the Bills are in, Coach Dicker, who's played by John Voight, goes up to the defense. It goes, today, defense, you're going to have to play both defense and offense. That is exactly what Iowa's situation is. Exactly. Iowa's defense, the only way Iowa was doing anything in this game that resembled a competent football team is if the defense picked off C.J. Stroud five times or just forced turnovers regardless or held Ohio State deep the entire game so Iowa would get good field position. You saw the game last year against Maryland. That's what happened. Iowa started on the ball, on the Maryland side of the 50 more often than not and came up with a monstrous dub over Maryland. Beautiful game. I think they had five interceptions in that game. Like you had the fumble in this game that scored, and I'm sure there were some people like, oh my God, Iowa's actually going to pull off the upset. But if you look back, or at least the past two games for Ohio State where they played Michigan State and, and Rutgers, like against Rutgers, Rutgers had a three and out or whatever. They punt the ball. Emeka Ibuka fumbles the ball. And Rutgers recovers, proceeds to score a touchdown. Then against Michigan State, Ohio State scores their first drive of the game. And then their next drive, pick six. So it's not out of the question for Ohio State to score early in the game and then their very next drive or later on in the first quarter when they're just getting warmed up, they have a turnover that makes you think, oh, this team might actually be vulnerable. So I'm sure there were some Iowa fans out there that looked at that fumble recovery by Joe Evans when he scored and go like, oh, yep, this is a game where Iowa's going to actually pull off the upset. The biggest upset that if this happened, this has been the biggest upset I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've seen some crazy upsets in my time, but Given how bad Iowa's offense has been this year, like historically bad, to go in there against the best offense in the country, and then not only that, a top 10 defense in the country, come over with a win, that'd be damn near, that, that's impossible. That's a nine, there's a 99.9999, however many nines you want to do, chance that Ohio State won this game. I would like to say there's somewhat of a chance that Iowa could have done something, but no. No. And... It, after the, the play, after the fumble, I was up 7-3, and then Ohio State, it just turned on after that. Iowa had one decent offensive drive in the game that led to a field goal, and that's been it. And this was a game where we finally saw a quarterback change. And this was the most predictable game for a quarterback change because I was playing Ohio State. So for the coaching staff to make a quarterback change at this point, this could go like, oh, well, Peters was bad. Look how bad Padilla was, too. Padilla threw an interception as well. See, it's not the quarterbacks, which might be even worse. See, when Brian Ferentz dropped that awesome quote last week of what's the upside to switching quarterbacks, he's going to use this game as an example of why we kept Petrus as the starting quarterback for Iowa. Which is more of an indictment on the coaching staff than anything because of the fact that both quarterbacks aren't very good. They can't develop quarterbacks. At least Brian Ferentz can't. Like, they're... It's, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. Like This is like a giant middle finger to every Iowa fan out there watching that game on Saturday. And a middle finger to the defense as well. Like, it's not... Yeah. <laughs> a guy on um, yesterday morning, uh, Sharf Nato on Twitter, Sharf LT on Twitter, 
Said if this were if there was ever a game we were gonna see Padilla play, it's gonna be this one. Prediction: Peters plays bad. Iowa gets down big. Kirk appeases fans, puts in Padilla. Padilla. Padilla plays bad against because it's Ohio State. Kirk unfairly said, "Told you so." And we will never see Padilla again. And we'll see Peters the rest of the rest of the season. And I think that's damn near. I think that's as close to accurate as what it could get. What it could have gotten. And we haven't heard the him talk about uh, we'll never see Padilla again. But I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. I would not be surprised. Like, Petrus went into this game with one more attempt than C.J. Stroud, but just so happened to have the same number of interceptions, which was three, which isn't a lot, but then you have 22 less touchdowns. Now we're looking at a scenario where C.J. Stroud got four more touchdowns, though he did throw an interception, did manage to get four touchdowns in the game. And they had Jackson Smith and Jigba back. He was not really a threat in the game. The one pass he caught, he fumbled. But this is his first game back. But Julian Fleming played awesome. Emeka Agbuka played really good. Marvin Harrison Jr. did his thing. Like, Iowa ran a tight... They run so many backwards, tight-end screens. It is mind-numbing. Like, and I want—I know people are going to go out there and say, oh, the O-line stinks. Yes, I, I'm not naive to that fact that the O-line is awful for Iowa. But when you have an O-line that's awful and you're going up against a team with the likes of Zach Harrison on it, and other good defensive players. Why are you trying to set stuff up deep? I said this last year when Iowa was in the Big Ten Championship against Michigan. It doesn't take a brain surgeon to look across the side of the ball and go, oh, they got some ballers on their team. We should run shorter plays or run the ball more, but when in that aspect, don't run screens to the tight end. That's never, unless your name's Kyle Pitts, screens to the tight end. Never work. They don't work. Why? Because they're big dudes. They're not naturally fast. If you're going to run screenplays, go to like Arlen Bruce or Nico Regani or something like that. It was just an awful, awful, awful game. And I couldn't even sit there and be like upset because I knew it would happen. I knew we would talk about this since the season started. This game was the most predictable game in Iowa's schedule. When I was on Cole and Company at the start of the season, we were going through each game of Iowa, Iowa State, UNI schedule, and I laughed at this game. This is before the season started. And Ohio State is better than what we thought they were at the start of the season. Like People were going into the season worried about how they would do without Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. They're better. This team's dominant. I've said this a few weeks now. I think Ohio State is the best team in college football. They're insane. Offensively, defensively, you can't touch them. They're still number two in the nation right behind Georgia, which I don't think Georgia is really, if they were going to move down, it was going to be after the Missouri game, which they obviously did not move down. They've been number one for a while now. Or maybe they dropped one spot, but they went back to number one because Alabama struggled against AM and dropped three spots. But I, th- I honestly think if we're talking about complete teams, this is no disrespect to Georgia. I think Georgia's an amazing team, but complete teams, if we're just going strength for strength, you would give more strengths to Ohio State than you would to Georgia, at least in my opinion. At least in my opinion. And this isn't going off of just this game. Like, we said this all year. C.J. Stroud's playing at an amazing, amazing season right now. And as of right now, there are two people really gunning for the Heisman Trophy, and the other one sits at number three in the nation, and that's Hennon Hooker playing for Tennessee. 
like in regards to what they're doing at the time Iowa played them, CJ Stroud's the best quarterback Iowa's ever played. At, at, at the Kirk Ferentz era. So I don't I haven't gone back to the, the 20th century and looked back at all the different quarterbacks they played. But it's just sad. It's just really, really sad. It's not it's not even like people aren't even getting upset anymore. There's nothing to get upset about because everybody knows what's going to happen before the game starts. Like, I was watching this game more, like, analyzing C.J. Stroud more and being upset if he missed a pass. Or you're like, oh, he should have had that one. I did not give two shits if Iowa did anything in this game. And throughout my 24 years of existence, I have never once thought that. I have never gone into an Iowa game with so little confidence that it was going to come out Iowa's favor than this game. And I've seen some bad Iowa football teams. I've seen them play some very good teams. I've seen them get their backs blown out. Not like this. I've never gone into a game so distraught, I guess. Like, I don't want to say, like, I don't want to be one of those people that's like, Oh, as Iowa fans, we are entitled to this style of football. No. No, that's not what we're going to do. But it has to be something different. Like, look at Oklahoma State. Look at Oklahoma State. Just as a prime example here, and I'm, I'm calling out them because they're, Mike Gundy's been the head coach for Oklahoma State almost as long as Kirk Ferentz has been the head coach at Iowa. I don't know when Mike Gundy took over, but he's been there a long-ass time. But you look at what Oklahoma State does. They don't stick with the same thing. Mike Gundy has adapted his offense. Like, against Texas this week, they came down, back from being down in that game, came back to win, and beat Texas in the second half, 17-3, 141-34. I would kill to have a quarterback like Spencer Sanders. And this isn't me saying, like, oh, Iowa does nothing right. They do nothing. No. Iowa's had a very good track record of, de- of developing players to go to the NFL. They've had very good teams in the past. But you cannot actually, def- if you defend this team to any stretch other than the defense, you're insane. Actually insane. And I've used this example before. Those people are like, oh, we're fans. We're not going to bash our team. We're fans of this team. Why would we say anything bad about them? They went to the Big Ten Championship game last year with this offense. Like, I was talking to my friends Andrew and Jared yesterday about this. Like, let's say, hypothetically, you have a family member that is crack. Big time druggy. You got crack, meth, all the whole nine yards. But they're family, so you can't criticize them. You love them. You love them. You've always supported them. You can't no. They were they go to work every day. It doesn't matter what they're doing on the side. It, they go to work every day. I'm gonna support you. Yeah, you could support your team, but you have to say something if they're doing something that's stupid or doing something that's detrimental to the greater success of the team. You have an elite defense, an elite special teams unit, and you have the worst offense in college football. And there are people out there that actually defend it and utilize that as like going in there going, oh, they went to the Big Ten Championship, and that trumps all. Not forgetting that they got ass-blasted in the Big Ten Championship game. No, 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 no. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It matters that they went. That's all that matters. It's all that matters to these people. That they went to the Big Ten Championship game. It doesn't matter that they embarrassed themselves in the Big Ten Championship game. Running an offense that does not work against two elite pass rushers in David Ojabo and, and Aiden Hutchinson. Oh, our O-line stinks. 
Everybody knows this. Why are we doing five-step drops from under center? Your quarterback's already not very good. Your line stinks. So, again, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to go, we should try to switch things up so we don't get exploited by their elite edge rushers and try to set something deep. Oh, they have the most elite center fielder in college football in Daxton Hill. You know what? We're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep doing it. It's stubborn as hell, and it's annoying as hell. This team reeks. They've won three games this year. And I'm, I'm being honest, I really don't know what they'll do to win any more games. Like Northwestern, Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska. I can sit here right now and not be confident about any of those games. I'm not confident about a single one of those games. The three teams they beat, one's an FCS school, one's Nevada, and the other one's Rutgers. You should always beat those teams. You should always beat Illinois. I don't care how good Illinois is. Iowa should not be losing to Illinois. You should, and this is not, I'm trying to say this is not disrespectful. They should always beat Iowa State. That's, I'm trying to say that as least disrespectful way as possible, but that's what it should be. I'm not saying it's going to happen every, but you have to, like, to play as bad as they did in those two games, to give up so many opportunities. They were at the one yard line against Iowa State and fumbled. They were in the red zone against Illinois and couldn't come away with any points. In games this year, Iowa has scored 7-7, two anomaly 27-pointers, and then 14-6 and 10. You're defending that offense. It's, it's sad. It's just really sad. And again, I don't want to sit here and say I'm entitled to things, but I think we... I think people deserve an offense that's better than UMass, New Mexico, New Mexico State, and Colorado State. This is a team that's supposed to be one of the upper echelons in college football. I'm not saying winning national championships or anything. But when you look how bad the west side of the Big Ten is, Iowa, realistically, given their history, should not struggle like this in the Big Ten West. It's stupid. It's just stupid. It's insane. It's stupid. It's monotonous. It's whatever the hell you want to use to phrase it. This is the worst. And I'm not even, like, it's not even being hyperbolic. This is the worst offense statistically in all of college football. Total yards, yards per game, whatever metric you want to use, that's it. Oh, I guess they're not dead last in points, even though they average 14 points a game. Where they again? Two outliers, 27 points, twice, Nevada and Rutgers. That's it. And before, when the season was going on, you're like, oh, there are people that would defend Iowa in this. Like, oh, Iowa's 3-1. and Why are we going to complain? And then the next, you know, weeks happen. And I know you're not going to always beat Michigan and Ohio State. More often than not, you're going to lose those schools. But at least try. It didn't even look like they're trying. I've never seen an offense try so little to do anything that resembles anything above a middle school offense. They run like five plays. 
And this is different when Texas Tech was running it when Mike Leach was there because Texas Tech was really good. I, I just, it just like makes your head hurt just even thinking about it. And I don't want to go down this route, but like Kirk Ferentz is the greatest coach in Iowa football history. I know my my parents, my grandparents will probably say Hayden Fry. Don't care. Don't care. It's Kirk Ferentz. But, dude, it sucks because it's time, It's kind of going towards that it's time to go phase. Like, it's just been down, 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 down. I love Kirk Ferentz. I'll never say anything bad about Kirk Ferentz. But if, Brian, if this gets Brian Ferentz out... I had a friend ask me this last year when Iowa, you know, went to the Big Ten Championship game. If Kirk Ferentz left, meaning Brian Ferentz was gone, would you have it? And I pose that question to every single Iowa fan out there. If if Kirk Ferentz left tomorrow and that meant Brian Ferentz left, would you be all right with that? Because the only way Brian Ferentz is leaving is if Kirk's not there. As sad as that is, that's the reality of it. He's not going to fire his son, no matter how inept he is at calling an offense. It's the two coaching jobs he's ever had were Belichick and Ferentz. And Belichick had Ferentz on his staff in Cleveland. Kirk, Kirk Ferentz. Yeah, I don't really, I don't, I don't, I don't even really want to talk about Iowa the rest of the year. Like they're playing Northwestern. Like, is there a, t- a worse matchup in college football this weekend than Iowa and Northwestern combined? Combined, the two teams average thirty-two points a game. Combined, Iowa averages fourteen. Northwestern averages eighteen point six. The only thing that's working in Iowa's favor is that Northwestern gives up 408 yards a game of total offense. They allowed Wisconsin to score 42 past them. Wisconsin. Because they're not even, they're not much better than Iowa. But they got Braylon Allen. So that's their trump card. And he didn't even score in the game. It was Graham Mertz, dude, threw five touchdowns. Graham Mertz isn't a, well, I don't know if he is. He might be a world time, a world better than Spencer Peters. I don't know. Because he's not very good either. But that's kind of the standard of the quarterback in the Big Ten right now. Like, the Big Ten does not have good quarterbacks. They have C.J. Stroud, and that's it. Aiden O'Connell's all right. He's all right. J.J. McCarthy's all right. Tuilea Tagovailoa is all right. Sean Clifford is, like, probably right in the middle. Like, Tanner Morgan... I, Graham Mertz, Casey Thompson's talented. Tommy DeVito at Illinois. Who else do we even have? Peyton Thorne at Michigan State. Ryan Halinski. Like, it's just bad. Like, I'm, I, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I'm kind of dreading. There's four teams in the top 20 in the Big Ten right now. Four of them. And I think only one of them's legit. That's Ohio State. 
and I know Michigan's undefeated. I know they're undefeated. I know they're 7-0. and I know Blake Corms had a really good year. I don't think this game, Ohio State-Michigan's going to be close. I could be wrong. I could be very wrong, but I don't see that game being close. Like After what happened last year with Ohio State-Michigan, I don't think we see that again. And Michigan's got a very good defense. Michigan's got a good defense. Solid offense. Very good running the ball. Blake Corms, 99 yards away from 1,000. Got a good offense. But being in Columbus... Going back to what happened last year, I don't see Ohio State losing. I kind of had a hard, have a hard time thinking Ohio State loses the rest of the year. And this, this is again, this isn't just me saying this after because they destroyed Iowa. No, we've been talking about Ohio State like this all year. It's just, it just sucks. It just really sucks. Most predictable outcome in the entire season. Other like Tennessee UT Martin. UT Martin scored more points against Tennessee than Iowa did against Ohio State. UT Martin, they scored 24 points against Tennessee. That's three points off Iowa's season high. And they did that against the third best team in college football rating-wise. It just sucks. It's it's just really, really, really bad. And I really don't I I will because I've been I've been indoctrinated by this my entire life because I grew up an Iowa fan. And I really wish that I did the thing Iowa State fans want people to do of if you didn't go to the school you can't be a fan of them because I would I would I would take that back in a heartbeat. Good lord. I'm not going to, but I I wouldn't be opposed at this point. You and I got a nice win this week too. They played Missouri State, got a nice little win. Needed that. Needed that win scored 41 points. Awesome. Theo Day, one touchdown, 291. Dom Williams had four rushing touchdowns in the game. Deion McShane, the, the wide out, Deion McShane, not Vance McShane, the, the, run, the, wider, the, the wide receiver, Deion McShane, had 80 yards rushing, had 17 attempts. Like, it's just, I don't know. You and I is better than what the record shows. They're better than four and four. They've had some tough, tough games. Tough games that they probably should have won. Like the one against North Dakota. Should have won that one. Game against Illinois State. Should have won that one. So they could be sitting there with two losses. They got blown out against Sacramento State and Air Force. I'm not really worried about those ones. I think they gave stuff away against Sacramento State, but Air Force was never going to be a chance. That was never going to be a game. We said that before the game started. We It's never going to be a game. Uh, and Iowa State was on a bye, so we can't even talk about Iowa State. But who does Iowa State got next week? What do they got next week? Because Iowa State, much like you and I, is another team that could be a lot better than their record shows. Three and four. They got the same record as Iowa. And Iowa State lost by seven to Baylor, by three to Kansas, one to Kansas State, and three against Texas. And probably should have won all of those. <laughs> I didn't see anything from the Kansas State game, so I, I can't really give a verdict on that one. But Baylor, Kansas, and Texas. Missed field goal against Kansas. Some things not going their way against Baylor, and then Xavier Hutchinson dropping one of the easiest touchdowns of his career. They're going to use the rough and the pat, the targeting thing as a thing. But again, he hit him in the shoulder. You could see it in the replay. Like he's hitting him on the side. I get it. it's like the could uh, for un, what is it? Un, unnatural hit of the neck or shoulder area or something like that, head, shoulder, whatever. But if Xavier Hutchinson doesn't randomly jump for the pass against Texas, that play doesn't even happen. So you could use that as a factor as well. 
Like, Iowa State is a lot better than Iowa. Iowa State's a lot better than Iowa. And they beat them by three points, and I still think they're a lot better than Iowa. Things have changed. And, uh, yeah, the state of Iowa is kind of struggling right now in regards to the big schools. You got UNI at 4-4, four and four, Iowa State at 3-4, and four, and Iowa at 3-4. and four. It's been a really rough rough season <laughs> for, for the state of Iowa. But we had some other games go on this week that are a little bit more mood-lightening. <laughs> mood-lightening. Uh, we got Tennessee UT Martin again. Hennon Hooker threw three touchdowns. Easy game. Easy game. They rocked all orange. Hennon Hooker had some baby blue calf, calf sleeves on. I, I don't know if that's like a whole Tennessee thing. I know the women's basketball team does that. I don't know about the entire university, but I know the tennis women's basketball team does. Clemson Syracuse. Syracuse played well. They benched uh, DJ Uyagalele through two interceptions in the game, and then Klubnik came in, didn't really do anything, just didn't do anything to lose them the game, and they came out 27-21 victors. And Dabo Sweeney did say that DJ is going to be the starter the rest of the year, which I find weird. I Usually when a backup comes in after the starter gets benched and leads them to a win against a top 25 team, he's usually going to be the starter, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Bama beat up on Mississippi State 30-6. to Again, I said that game could be close, but I didn't think it would be. <laughs> it could have been. There were chances it could have been. Like, Will Rogers threw the ball 60 freaking times. 60. Crazy. And then speaking of games that I thought would be better, uh, LSU versus Ole Miss, 45-20. Bad game. TCU came back against Kansas State to win 38-28. That, that sucks. That sucks on the fact that there's an Iowan playing for Kansas State. Or can't for TCU, sorry, Max Duggan. Iowa, for how big of a school they the football program they are, how can you not keep your in-state products in state? Especially quarterbacks. And recruit the good Iowa quarterbacks. Iowa, stop going after the bad ones. Stupid. Like Max Duggan's balling out for the seventh. They, I guess I think they moved up to seventh in the nation. Balling out for the seventh best team in college football. Three touchdowns last night. Passing the ball. Had 13 yards rushing. Which was a pretty low one for Max Duggan. Who's run the ball particularly well this year. But it sucks. He's from Council Bluffs though. So he probably would have gone to Nebraska. So maybe that's a maybe that's better. Maybe it's better off that he went to, t- to TCU. Uh, UCLA-Oregon again. A game I thought would be close. 45-30. It was uh, Chip Kelly's return to Oregon. And uh, Bo Nix threw five touchdowns. Zach Charbonnet had a good game, as he usually does, 151 yards and a touchdown. But it just wasn't meant to be. Got absolutely ass-blasted by Oregon. Then uh, what else we got? We, we already talked about Oklahoma State. We had Boston College losing to Wake Forest, 43-15. to Penn State and Minnesota, 45-17. to That game started off slow. Started off slow. But came into their own. Penn State ended up winning the game. Mohamed Ibrahim at 102 yards rushing. Uh, Ethan Kellamy, I don't even want to try. I know he went to IMG. At least I think he went to IMG. This is the IMG guy? I think so. Kelly, Kelly Kamanis, I think. <laughs> uh, Singleton, Penn State's running back in a nice game. 79 yards, two touchdowns. Strong Clifford had four passing touchdowns in the game. They went SMU versus Cincinnati since he won 29 to 27. And then Tulane, 38 to 28 victors over... Memphis. We kind of talked about this a little bit about the top 25 rankings. So here's this week's latest top 25 rankings. We got Georgia at one, Ohio State two, Tennessee three, Michigan four, Clemson five, Bama six, and then now the changes start. We got TCU at seven, Oregon at eight, Oklahoma State nine, USC 10, which 
USC didn't play and they lost their... What? How the hell does that work? USC moved up two spots and they didn't play. In the last game they played, they lost. Does, that, does anybody got the answers to that? Does anybody know how that worked out? I, I don't know. Uh, Wake Forest, they moved up three. After a big-time win, they are joint with USC. Then we had UCLA dropping three spots to 12. Penn State moved up three spots to 13. Utah to 14. We had Ole Miss dropping eight spots to 15. Syracuse dropped two to 16. Illinois moved up one spot to 17. LSU slid into the top 25 at 18. Then Kentucky State put at 19. Uh, Cincy, North Carolina moved up one spot at 20 and 21. K-State dropped five spots to 22. Tulane dropped, moved up two spots to 23. NC State dropped one spot. And South Carolina sit at number 25 in the nation. After struggling the start of the year, they've had a couple really nice wins recently. They got Kentucky. They beat them. Granted, Will Levis didn't play. And they just beat Texas A&M this past weekend. And yeah, Spencer Rattler's not really playing that great. But hey, you know what? They're in the top 25 now, so you can't really say anything. Oh my god. Iowa Iowa ain't even close to the top twenty-five. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my freaking lord. That what a what a what a weird game. <laughs> what a weird weekend. What an absolutely weird weekend. Now, I am intrigued to see like this week for the quarterback review or quarterback prospect rankings should be a lot easier than the ones we've done in the past because there were a lot of quarterbacks out of bye week this week. A lot of quarterbacks in the top 10 that usually are in there had buys. So that's kind of nice. That's kind of nice. And for quarterbacks that did play, so we had the likes of, you had C.J. Stroud play Iowa. We've obviously talked about that one before. We had Bryce Young play Mississippi State. Talked about that one before. We had Lil well- Will Levis on a bye this week. Anthony Richardson was on a bye. Hennon Hooker played U- UT Martin. Uh, BYU got actually sit stomped by Liberty. I said it was going to be a tough game. I thought BYU though would cover would be able to win. Nope, 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 nope. Absolutely obliterated. Uh, Miami. Uh, yeah, they got ass blasted by Duke. What the hell was that? Tyler Van Dyke got hurt in the game. I don't know what that game was. That was that was an odd game. Then we had Mississippi State, Alabama, Will Rogers, Tanner McKee. They beat Arizona State. 15, I think fifteen to fourteen. And KJ Jefferson for Arkansas. He was on a bye as well. Just a lot of quarterbacks on a bye. A lot of teams that did not play. So what? We've got Levis Richardson. Then we've got KJ with three. And then, like, Van Dyke didn't barely... Van Dyke barely played, so there's technically four that you could count. And there's not really a lot to say about C.J. Stroud versus Iowa. That was just expected. This is an expected result. But if you haven't, I would very much recommend going out and checking up on our draft expert page or on the loganblackmanshow.com. Go to the blog section and check out our latest prospect rankings for the 2023 NFL draft class for the quarterback position. You can also go check out other blogs as well, like our World Cup squad prediction for the United States. And Ricardo Pepe is on the score sheet again for Gronigan. We had Weston McKinney score, Giovanni Reina score, and now Ricardo Pepe has scored. So Ricardo Pepe is doing that really cool thing that a lot of players do where they start playing really well towards close to the World Cup. And I, like I said the other day, I can see a reality where they bring four strikers. And if, if Jordan Peefock can't go, he's hurt right now, niggling injuries. If he can't go, Sergeant Pepe Ferreira, that'll be the strikers. I want Peefock to go because I think he's the best one out of the three. But I could see a world where he doesn't. Especially with Pepe and Sergeant playing really well and Peefock being hurt. I think there's a reality in that. 
which is sad, but there's a reality there. Oh my goodness. I'm going to keep this show a little bit shorter today. We're not ending it right here, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep it short because I'm tired. I'm very tired. My, I don't really have a voice today. Just have, I've been getting, I've been going to bed late and then waking up early. Like I had to go help my parent, my dad move furniture around for my grandma. So I got up early Saturday after being up late in Ames on Friday. And then today I just couldn't stay asleep, but I got back late last night. I was hanging out with some friends. We went to a golf simulator. Yeah. Went to a haunted house Friday. That was fun. Haunted forest up in Ames. Really fun. Love going to haunted houses. One of my favorite things to do is go to a haunted house. So I'm, I'm happy we ended up doing that. Oh my God. What else do we have? What else do we want to talk about today? Some NFL stuff. I mean, Carson Wentz didn't play. He's out for four to six weeks for the commanders. So Taylor Heineke led a win over the Packers. Like the Packers lost to the commanders and then the Bucks lose to the Panthers. Both with their backup quarterback. PJ Walker played for the Carolina Panthers today. I don't know if Baker Mayfield got hurt or what. I haven't, I don't really keep up with my Baker Mayfield news. I'm sorry. But P.J. Walker, two touchdowns in the win. Had five incompletions. Six incompletions. So, yeah. It's a weird one. Going into the fourth, like, in the third quarter, the Packers had less than 100 yards of total offense. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are three and four. Isn't that something? Isn't that just something? Well, the freaking New York Giants are six and one. Now, do the Jaguars probably feel hard done by that they did get a win there? Got stopped at the one-yard line. But Daniel Jones playing well. We've said this for a few years now. Or a few years. The past couple years. Daniel Jones has the skill set and the makeup to be a good quarterback in the NFL. This isn't something that's been news to me. You can just look at him and go, okay, there is something there. It's not like he's completely hopeless. He has no skill set whatsoever. No, he can move. He's got a decent arm. He's accurate. He's got. He's big. Like He had all the stuff. It was just can he connect it all mentally, which is weird to say because he went to Duke. But there was like some disconnect. Like he'd trip over his own feet, he'd fumble, he'd throw pick, bad picks. But we've said this for a while now. This isn't like something new. You can go back to listen to shows from last year. Said Daniel Jones can be a good quarterback. And he's proved it this year. Brian Dale's been awesome there. And the Giants are 6-1. and one. As everybody predicted, the Bills and the Giants, both at 6-1. and one. Uh, the Ravens beat the Browns day 23-20. to The Browns are 2-5. and five. Oh, and then also with the Giants, that rules out our season begin- beginning of the season prediction because we said the Giants win five games. They've won six. So there's another prediction completely out the window. Titans and Colts in the Battle of Mid lived up to the namesake, 19-10. Uh, to 10. Very fun game there going on there. Cowboys, Dak Prescott was back, won 24-6. I'm not saying Dak played, like, the most amazing game at all time. He was very limited in what he did. He only had 25 pass attempts, one touchdown. But yeah, that's a better stat line than Cooper Rush had, so or has. And then we had the Bengals, Joe Burrow, and Jamar Chase. The entire Bengals offense just balled out today against the Falcons. It was just an awesome game. Really fun game. Joe Burrow had three passing touchdowns, 481 passing yards. Fun. Then we had Chris McCaffrey and his new team. The 49ers are losing to this the Kansas City Chiefs 14-13 right now in the second quarter. The bottle of the Brock Osweiler, Connor Cook Bowl is tied 10-10. And the Broncos and Jets 7-9. In the third quarter, we have Brett Rippon starting for the Broncos with Russell Wilson out with, I think, a shoulder injury. And then the Chargers are down 17-7 against the Seattle Seahawks with Kenneth Walker getting a touchdown and Austin Eckler also getting on the score sheet as well. Both Herbert and Geno Smith are throwing interceptions in the game. But the Christian McCaffrey thing, I want to talk about that for a little bit. 
I I should have I'm not really surprised that he went to the 49ers. There was like some loose thing in the back of my head that was like I kind of want him to go to the Bills just because he's I talked about this before. I think he's the best running back in the NFL when he's healthy. You look at the last time he was fully healthy, he had 1,300 yards rushing and 1,000 yards receiving. He's like one of four players in NFL history to go for 1,000, 1,000. I think the last person to do that was Marshall Falk back in the early 2000s. Like, Christian McCaffrey is special. He just can't stay healthy. And with the Bills, looking at his skill set, that would have been perfect for the offense. But you look at the reason I'm not surprised he didn't go to the Bills. One, this one being a big one, the Panthers are going to ask for a lot. And when you're asking for a lot, for a running back as good as he is, you'd go, okay, but then you had to factor in the injury history that he hasn't been healthy in two, three years. So that's a big thing. The 49ers gave a big haul for Christian McCaffrey. They gave it like a second, third, fourth, and a fifth rounder. So I, they gave up a lot. No first rounders. The Panthers were searching for a first rounder, but the 49ers were like, no, we're not doing that, but we'll give you a shitload of picks. So, and when you're a team like that, you have aspirations of being an elite team. Like people will freak out about draft picks. Like if the Bills in the first round, they're picking like in the late 20s to 30s. It's like when they traded for Stephon Diggs. You're going to draft a wide receiver anyways, so why not get someone that's proved it in the NFL and Stephon Diggs? So I I can get, I can see both sides of the trade thing. The health thing's big there, but with the Bills, apparently they were in on it, but they weren't, like, they sent offers in, Panthers declined, and then towards the end they were completely out. But with the Bills, you spent three years in a row drafting running backs with prior with top picks, third rounders and second rounders. You got Devin Singletary in the third, Zach Moss in the third, and then you drafted James Cook in the second. All with different skill sets, but Zach Moss is slowly getting phased out of the team. Remember when a few weeks ago we read that offer that ESPN had and they said the Bills would trade Zach Moss in a fourth for Chris McCaffrey? What? Why the hell would they take Zach Moss? Zach Moss can't even get into the Bills starting lineup, and he's going to go to the Panthers for a trade for Christian McCaffrey. Like, Bleacher Report was notorious for doing this in the past by coming up with these dumb-ass trade ideas that make absolutely no sense. And that's what ESPN did with that. Like, Zach Moss in a... It was either a fourth or a third. Either way. Zach Moss in a third for Christian McCaffrey, not much better. It was like Christian McCaffrey in a fourth. So it was like you're giving up the same thing except getting way worse for the Carolina Panthers. I, I didn't understand those trades at all, but I think he'll work really well at San Fran. I think he fits well with what they want to do on offense, and I think that will work out really, really nicely. And do I really want to talk about anything else today? I just want to keep this one a little shorter. I want to keep it short. I'm really hungry, so <laughs> I gotta get. I gotta figure out something to eat. But I guess I want. I guess I did want to talk about this a little bit. Uh, Matt Miller, who used to be with Bleacher Report, now he kind of does his own thing. He's on ESPN now as well. He's like we talked about this, where he's like him and I think his name's Jordan Reed are the B team to Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay. And they'll come in and they'll do their mock drafts, but everybody wants to look at Mel Kuyper's and Todd McShay's. Now, you have Matt Miller, who's been doing this for a while now, and he sent, I get emails for this stuff, and he had five quarterbacks going in the first round, and it does not surprise me. I think there's five as well. But he had Bryce Young going one, Will Levis three to the, okay, Bryce Young to the Panthers at one, Will Levis three to the Lions, C.J. Stroud, 5th to the Texans. Anthony Richardson, 12th to the Giants. And then Hinden Hooker all the way down at 30, 30 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, I don't... Yeah. So, the thing is with Young, Stroud, and Levis. Those are the top guys. Those are the top guys. Whatever you want to put them in, it doesn't really bother me. 
Right now, we have Stroud at number one. Right now. But I think once we get close to the draft, I will be moving Levis to number one, I think. Just trying to predict the future a little bit. Because when you look at Levis, and you look at what Young and Stroud do, and what hurts C.J. Stroud is the fact he's not a big dude. Like he's six foot three, probably two fifteen, but he's very skinny, skinny dude. And he can't—he's not a great mover. I'm not saying he's immobile, but he can't—he's not a great mover compared to Levis and Young. And Levis has a stronger arm than C.J. Stroud, and is bigger, and is is faster, can move better, and then Young can do all the things Levis can do, except he's a lot smaller. And when you look at some of the smaller quarterbacks throughout the NFL, you had like Baker, Kyler, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson. They were thicker dudes. They weren't like 5'10", 160 or whatever. They were bigger guys. Russell Wilson, same thing. Bryce Young's tiny. Like, I'd make Bryce Young look small. And I'm not really the biggest dude out there. I'm not small, but I'm not the biggest dude out there. Bryce Young looks tiny. But I think Bryce Young's anticipation and his ability to stretch plays out will make him a high-value target. And I think once we get close to the draft, it'll probably be Levis, Young, Stroud. But I think Richardson can move up there too. I think he could. And Richardson being in the first round does not surprise me at all. Because, like we've said, Anthony Richardson's the closest thing to Josh Allen in college football that we have in regards to what he was at Wyoming. You see everything there. It just hasn't been consistently put together, but everything is there. You just need an atmosphere for him to mold that, and he'll be elite. Everything physically is there. It's just a matter of, will he realize it? And if he can, he would be the best quarterback in this class. If he can realize it. Then for Hooker, I showed my friend Jared this yesterday because we were flipping back and forth between games for a little bit, and I was like, go to the Tennessee game real quick. We were watching the Iowa game, so go to the Tennessee game. And with that, you can just look at Tennessee's offense. I think Hooker, in regards to skill set, will be a first-rounder, no doubt. I think his ability to make reads during the play is nice. I think he's very good at that. He throws the best deep ball in college football, but the fact that their offense is so fast like this, it's going to cause him to slip a little bit. He might win the Heisman, but he'll probably be the fifth quarterback taken in the draft. Which isn't a bad thing. Which isn't a bad thing. Hell, Lamar Jackson was the fifth quarterback taken in the draft. Look how good he turned out. Like, it's not a bad thing. It's not ideal at the time, but it's not a bad thing. And I think he'll be fine in the NFL. I think he's the most NFL-ready. I mean, he's the oldest. Maybe he has to sit for a few games at the start of his career just to get used to the offense and how slow it has, how slowed down it is. But I think Hooker will turn out really good in the NFL. I think those five quarterbacks are really good. And then you've got really good quarterbacks after that, too. Struggled this week, but talented quarterbacks after that. This is going to be a good quarterback draft class. It's going to be a good one. But if I had to make, like, October 23rd, we're sitting here. We're going to April. We're looking towards the 2023 NFL draft. If I had to make a prediction right now for who the first quarterback off the board would be, I'd probably bet Will Levis. I'd probably bet on Levis. I'm not 100% confident in that, but I would probably lean towards Levis. Just given his size, given his arm talent, given how athletic he is, like, he's the full package. Really. Him and Richardson are that. But Levis does it in a more consistent clip, and you look at what he's doing with nothing at, L- at Kentucky, with no off the line, that's going to make people like it even more. And I think it'll, I think it'll probably go Levis, Bryce, Stroud, Richardson, Hendon, Hendon Hooker. 
I know a lot of people out there love themselves from Tanner McKee. Like, Pro Football Focus, love Tanner McKee. Love, love, love Tanner McKee. And I don't think he can move that well, but he's got a strong arm. He throws a very catchable ball. He's not working with a lot at Stanford. He's trying his best with a really bad team. Like that we've taught, their defense can't stop anybody. So I can see where people like him, especially when you look at Justin Herbert. Very similar-ish skill set. I think Herbert's more athletic than McKee, but similar-ish skill sets. So that's another reason why people are kind of liking McKee. I think Van Dyke from Miami has a lot of measurables that you're looking for. He looks like an NFL quarterback, but he just can't stay consistent right now. He got benched against Middle Tennessee State. Like He's the only quarterback on here that has been benched, that we're mentioning, that's been benched, benched, benched. Only one whose starting job has been put into question out of all the other quarterbacks we're going to talk about. So I just thought that was interesting, just looking at a mock draft. I haven't seen a lot of mock drafts recently. I haven't looked it up because I haven't really thought about it. We're going to try and get something out uh, some way midpoint through November or something probably. Probably. That's the goal. I don't know how realistic it is, but that's the goal at this point. But this is interesting because the Panthers just beat the Bucks. If we're going off just records, they're not the number one overall pick anymore. At this point, anyways. Because you got the one-win Raiders and the one-win Texans. So one of those teams will have the number one pick by the time we get back to this, If we're once those games are done. The Lions will be up there as well. Lions will be looking for a quarterback, I'd imagine. Jared Goff started off the season pretty well, but he did not have a good game today. He did not. He completed a decent amount of passes. But he had two interceptions and two fumbles. Those very costly. Like, they were in the game for a majority of it, and then the turnovers started happening, and then it just went downhill. But it's just interesting. It's interesting to look at how the draft could shake out and look completely different to what everybody else thought it would. Oh, I completely forgot the Saints-Cardinals game. Did you guys watch that? Fun game, fun game, fun game, fun game. Pissed me off, though, that they... I've never seen a team skill... uh, Go away from their best player as much as the Saints did in that game. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. The Cardinals deserve the win. Just because of that. Just because of that. I don't know if I'm a fan. I, I No, I like the black helmets. I like the black jerseys. I, I like that. I like that look for the Cardinals. I'm not a massive fan of their uniforms in general, but I liked, I liked the look that they had. I was a decent fan of it. It's, good, it's a good night game setup. It's a good night game. It looks like the Baltimore Ravens out there. Two bird teams, both rock black. Both have black helmets now, so it's cool. Now, that's all I've got for you today. I'm going to end it there. I do hope you enjoyed. I do hope you enjoyed. This has not been one of my favorite shows that I've ever done, but we'll try to be better next time, at least in my at least in my world, we'll try to be better. Maybe you thought the show was really good. Maybe you thought it was awesome, but I didn't really particularly I didn't particularly rate the show that highly today, just from what I can remember. So yeah. That's all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed it. If not, I apologize. Leave a rating on a five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you're subscribed to both all forms of social media as well. And I will see you all later. Peace.